Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. It's game week for SMU. The Mustangs will take on Texas State, barring a major change in the world of college football, on Saturday in San Marcos to get their 2020 season underway. The game will be broadcast on ESPN. Pony Stampede will be on hand for it as SMU takes on Texas State at 3.30. We will preview that game on Friday in another podcast for you guys as you might be making your way to San Marcos if you're one of the 7,500 or so that'll be able to get into Bobcat Stadium. But for now, we're going to mainly focus on answering a lot of our subscriber questions right before the start of the season, as well as preview both sides of the ball in the trenches. But first, Tuesday was the first day that Coaching staffs could contact 2022 prospects, and SMU, lo and behold, did a great job recruiting one such prospect who decided to go ahead and jump on board and become the first commitment for Sonny Dykes and co. in the 2022 class, and that is Grand Prairie athlete Savion Red, somebody that they feel like can be a, a, a little bit of a slot, but also play a little tailback, so maybe in that Monte Dawson, Brandon Epton type of role uh, that they're kind of recruiting for the most part as of late. So Savion Red, first commitment for SMU in 2022, picked SMU over Kansas, uh, and look, 5'10", roughly, 210 pounds. He's kind of a thick guy. He averaged 21 yards per catch as a sophomore last year for Grand Prairie, a team that really struggles historically one in nine last year but he was uh the a second team selection all district which is great and he's also a basketball player he plays on legion elite aau uh, and he's a true bu- true buzz uh group uh, prospect so he's really kind of in that well-known uh true buzz group that if you followed recruiting for quite some time now you know plenty about uh, and so smu gets savion red on board to kick off it's 2022 class. Rashad Samples really did a nice job here recruiting him and and you know getting him on board, of course. And uh, for SMU, I think it's it's a good take early on. He is a well known prospect in the area as well, so he can kind of be maybe your Jaylene record uh, of the 2022 class and kind of get things rolling in that regard. And for Rashad Samples, he prioritized him quite honestly from the get go as much as you can. Uh, for a 2022 prospect, uh, he was in contact with his coaches. He was in contact uh, with with Savion in terms of uh, you know his allowed contact with him, and he was ready to go ahead and and make that decision. And it didn't take long. I thought it might be in the evening, but nope. Right around noon, Savion Red went ahead and made that commitment to SMU. And so uh, the 2022 class off and running. If you want to check out who SMU has really been. In contact with since they've been allowed to get in touch with prospects 
check out PonyStampede.com. We've got the full list on there for our VIP subscribers. Some really high quality talent there, especially in the Dallas, uh, in the South Dallas area. Rashad Samples uh, doing a good job down there as well, uh, trying to get that pipeline rolling uh, like it is kind of off to a good start in the 2021 class as uh, we await decisions from Savion Bird and, and some others that could really make it pop off here uh, overall in the 2021 class. But 2022, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Obviously, a nice little pickup for SMU. I'm going to try and go out and see him at practice next week and get some eyes on him and hopefully shoot some video and talk with him and all of that uh, as uh, uh, he is now the first commitment in 2022 for SMU. Now, I want to go ahead and knock out our offensive and defensive line previews that we've got coming to you guys on the podcast. And I'm going to lead off with the offensive line because I do think it's going to be the easiest one for me to kind of address with you guys because four or five starters return for SMU on the offensive line. They're in pretty good shape in that regard. And you look at the offensive line and what they've got coming back into the fold. And I start with Jalen Thomas, the left tackle. He's certainly somebody that's going to be uh, really uh, have, have a chance to, I think, raise his draft stock this year. He's going into his junior year uh, on uh, SMU's team as the left tackle and uh, somebody they're really excited about and, and what he can do uh, this season because he is super talented. He's really come on very, very well since he was inserted into the lineup as a uh, as a true freshman. And it's, it's crazy to think about how quickly time flies, but here we are uh, with Jalen Thomas now in his junior year for SMU. And then at left guard, it's going to be Hayden Howerton again. And and he's uh, started a bunch of games now for SMU and has now uh, will be set to start his second straight year at left guard after starting at center as uh, uh, his first year starting on the offensive line. And then you've got at center, Alana Lee back again. Uh, pairing up with uh, Hayden Howerton very well there. And then at right guard, we'll address that in a second because that's the big position battle for SMU on this offensive line. And then finally, Bo Morris, who I thought really came on strong last year. Uh, he did not start the opening game for SMU at Arkansas State and then from there went on to start the remaining 12 games uh, in 2019 uh, as uh, his junior year got kicked off. And now uh, he'll be back and anchoring that right side of, of that offensive line. And I think that's important when you have Alana Lee and Bo Morris sandwiched, uh, uh, or you have a, a new starter sandwich between those two guys, I should say, because those two are veterans. They've played a lot of football. But SMU is going to be breaking in a new right guard, it appears. Kobe Bryant played that spot uh, at times. Nick Dennis was the one that really held it down, though, last season for SMU. And then you look at some of the guys they brought in and in Dimitri Jordan, that was kind of the favorite I felt like going into camp to start at right guard for SMU. And he could very well end up starting at some points this year and certainly playing a lot. But Daniel Sinike is somebody that I think has had a terrific camp from what I've heard. He's really slimmed down. He's a big, big boy coming out of uh Kansas City when they when they got him away from Oklahoma on National Signing Day in a big big recruiting land and he was the backup left tackle for the most part I would say last year but they moved him to guard he slimmed down he did a tremendous job of, of getting his body ready to go for this 
And I, I feel like he's probably going to be the one you're going to see out there against Texas State. Now, the good thing about SMU's offensive line is that they always evaluate it. So outside of a few spots, I think they'll continue to look at the group. And I think they'll play a lot of guys because if there's one thing I think the season is going to show is that depth, especially in the trenches, is going to be critical because the, these guys have not necessarily had the time with Kaz Kazadi that they usually have. And while they've worked themselves into shape, the the big uglies, they've, they've got it rough. And especially in the heat in Texas in September and for the most part October, it's going to be difficult. And so rotating guys will be very, very important. So I think you could see as many as seven, eight offensive linemen play for SMU. I really, I really do think that they'll do that, if, especially if they can get up big in certain games, maybe get some of those guys out of there before uh, they wear down just a little too much, help prevent injuries, things like that. But I do think Daniel Sanike has really taken the reins at that position. And I'll highlight one more player that who I, I'm not so sure will play much this year, but who has had a strong camp from all uh, indications is Branson Hickman, the true freshman from Dallas, uh, came in and was ready to go physically. Uh, and he's really, I think, solidified his spot as probably the backup center to Alana Lee and somebody that SMU is very excited about with his future and what he's going to bring to the table. Now, looking over to the opposite side of the ball, SMU lost a ton off of last year's defensive line, of course, Demerick Gary, Zach Abercrombie, Delonte Scott. If you want to throw Pat Nelson in there as far as pass rushers go, wouldn't hate it at all. Uh, to, to listen to that argument, of course. But now they have some of these younger players who played, especially in the interior, coming up now, and it's their time to to step in. You look at Terrence Newman, who you know you blink, and he's a junior, of course, uh, but Harrison Loveless is a, is a redshirt junior after he hurt his knee last year and missed the season pretty much the whole season. And now you have Elijah Chapman, you have... Uh, Shabazz Dotson, we've heard nice things about uh, in fall camp so far. And then you add in players like Devere Levelston and Junior Ajo in the interior. And all of a sudden, and Sonny Dykes kind of talked about this on his radio show, you do have some depth and you like where your depth is. And even with Mike Williams opting out of the 2020 season, you have those key newcomers along with the returning players and you have depth along that defensive tackle spot. And, um, I think they're excited about that group. I think Elijah Chapman and Terrence Newman, two of the strongest guys on the team, are guys they think can have really strong years. Harrison Loveless has bounced back well from the knee. Will Jones uh, has had a good fall camp as well, uh, a former junior college transfer from Baylor. And, and now you look to Junior Ajo, I think, to really be the one that they hope emerges at a defensive tackle type of spot. He's about 6'3", 280 pounds, Really looks the part with abs, which is even more insane. But uh, and he's got tons of athleticism. So that group is really, really strong. I would say in terms of depth. Now they need to prove it. And then on the outside, they feel really, really good about. I think the pass rushers they have in that room. When you look at Turner Cox coming back, he's such a consistent player for for them. He's going to anchor one of those spots. And then you have Toby and Duckway, Gary Wiley, Nelson Paul, those players. And then you add in somebody like Jimmy Phillips, Ty Yarman, Trevor Denbo, that kind of edge rusher outside linebacker spot that SMU has. However, they figure it out in terms of 
generating a pass rush, it's going to come from that group of, of players for the most part. And I think the one player that really is from what I've heard somebody that they think can really explode with some some production this year is Nelson Paul. And he was a little nicked up in the spring and he was it was probably a good thing that they didn't have spring so he could really sit back and 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 recover. But he is uh as explosive as anybody. He could run and cover in space. Uh, he was super productive as a recruit in high school, racking up sacks in in Florida and Randall Joyner really uh identified him uh, as his guy, I think in that class to get uh, in terms of being a pass rusher. And now you have him, you have in Duckway and Wiley. That's kind of your veteran group alongside Cox who can really step up uh, and and be a leader this year, I think, with some of the departures that they had. So I think this defensive line has a chance to surprise some people, especially after what they lost from a year ago. A lot of people are looking at this group and saying, well, where where's all the production going to come from? I think they have some higher ceiling type of players now that are going to be in the middle of this defense, certainly on the edges as well. Because if you think about Demerick Gary, Zach Abercrombie, guys like that, Chris Biggers, they you knew exactly what you were going to get with those guys. Now you add in some of these new faces, and they are athletically, and this isn't a shot at the, the guys that held it down last year, they are a little bit more athletic so their their ceiling could be higher. They could be a little bit more disruptive potentially, and and their ability to run I think is is a little bit of a, an improvement. Um, and I think in part you see you'll see SMU run some three down, uh, some three three four looks, uh, some three three five type of looks depending on if they get some of uh, these players eligible like Brandon Crosley. If he's eligible on the back end, that would be big uh, for the secondary, allowing them to play that type of defense. A little bit more um, but I think you're going to see a lot of multiple looks and the good thing for SMU is they've got a lot of a lot of guys to rotate in that group uh, to make it work and I think that's probably the most exciting thing for them when they look at the defensive line is is the the versatility overall and and what they uh what they really can accomplish if they can figure it out because uh, this is this defensive line and I feel like I'm hopefully answering uh, this question uh, from one of our subscribers a little bit early, but what can they uh, improve upon the play of last year's? I think the athleticism and ability to run and and be able to be a little bit more, just, just a little bit more disruptive. I feel like early on, and yes, they had a ton of sacks, but I will say that SMU had a couple games where that was really, uh, their their sack numbers were just, so ridiculous against a couple teams that really kind of covered up certain games where they couldn't get after the passer just enough. I think some of that athleticism is going to make them a little bit more consistent this year overall uh, as Randall Joyner enters his second year as the full-time defensive line coach with it just being his own position. But they're excited about it. It's going to be a a group that probably gets as, as much of attention as anyone as far as how they're playing and how they're developing because you've got I feel like the secondary you've got three linebackers that you feel really good about if you're SMU especially if Richard Moore comes back and is a fourth Uh, and then you have this defensive line that if they can be aggressive and they can get after the passer and 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 get sacks and force pressures and force fumbles and do all those things that 
we saw for a good bit of the time last year, this team gets that much better. This defense gets that much better, and it could take a huge step forward, which would be a welcome sight for SMU, especially when you look at the offense, being able to trust that your defense can go out and get stops when you need it to. At some points last year, that kind of fell off at times. So with that, guys, I uh, feel like we, we've knocked out all the previews we need to on positions. So you're set. Uh, you can go back through and listen to the rest of the podcast and pretty much preview position most episodes uh, if you missed them. But with that, we're going to take a quick break from the Pony Stampede podcast. We'll be right back. We're going to get to your subscriber questions and we'll uh, round some things out as uh, fall camp is gone. It's game week. It's time for SMU Texas State in just a few few days. We'll be right back after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. It is time to get to your subscriber questions. I know there's a lot of them out there and they kind of jump all over the place, but I'm going to try my best here uh, to uh, answer them as best I can. And we're going to lead off on the recruiting front and kind of go some rapid fire because there are some relatively easy questions that I can knock out for you guys right off the, the bat. Uh, was asked about Jaden Jones, who's uh, at Parish Episcopal, where Preston Stone goes. He's a 2021 defensive end, and uh, 24-7 is pretty high on him. We've got an 87 grade on him. Uh, and actually, I was out there to see Preston practice uh, last week and got a chance to lay eyes on him. And I'll say this. He's listed at 6'4", 225. I would be surprised if he would measure in on that at that on a college campus. But uh, I did like his athleticism. I really like just kind of uh, what he brought. He was a leader out there uh, for Parrish. I, I was impressed. Uh, and then the question, though, is uh, why hasn't SMU offered? So... From my understanding is, one, you've got Stone Ebby already committed in the, in the class, and then Randall Joyner's been recruiting Braylon Jackson and David Abiara, who we'll talk about in a second, for quite some time. And then, oh, by the way, you have Jay Bell, who's gray-shirting and is going to be here in, in January, who they really like as well, coming from Beaumont Westbrook. So for me, I it, it doesn't really surprise me they didn't go in on him. I'm not sure he's an 87 for me. It might be just a touch lower. I'd love to see his app, his size verified uh, in a setting, but just looking at him, I'd be surprised uh, if he was 6'4", 225 at this point. A year ago, he was 6'3", 191 at the opening. So uh, he could grow, have grown, grown an inch and be 6'4", but uh, he didn't necessarily look uh, that big uh, to me when I got a chance to lay eyes on him. Now, 
as far as David David Abiara and Braylon Jackson, uh, we will piece together some of the recruiting tidbits that I'm not going to really go into and share on on the free pod uh, for you guys on the on the paywall. But uh, I'll just say that they continue to recruit them, and, and they're two of their top targets. They're two of their top uh, targets in terms of they'd take them now, they'd take them whenever. Uh, but I, I feel really good about my crystal ball pick still on Braylon Jackson. We'll see some of these kids are, are, are probably thinking that they can maybe take a visit, maybe not. Uh, but certainly uh, it's a uh, fluid situation in, in terms of that. But I do think SMU is getting close with Braylon Jackson. Uh, and then we'll uh, share some tidbits on the board at some point uh, on David Abiara and where things stand there. Now, that, I believe, wraps it up on the recruiting front, which is a good thing. Now, let's move on to some of the quick questions I feel like we can get to uh, for, for you know the team and kind of what's next. I do still think SMU is going to take a transfer at some point, probably multiple. When that happens, how that looks, we'll see. The good thing for a lot of these players that are at their current schools right now is that they're not getting cost a year of eligibility right now. So they don't necessarily have to transfer right now. And I don't think there's a position on this team that if that if somebody was transferring right now, they'd come in and really push right away. Maybe defensive line. And it's funny, we just previewed the defensive line and me saying how there's depth. But you always take pass rushers. You always take defensive tackles. And they can be pretty much plug-and-play guys. And, that, and Sonny Dykes and his staff is, have proven uh, to, to want to do that as well. Uh, Pac-12, Big Ten, not seeing it uh, in terms of those guys leaving now and, and really making a jump. Maybe there's a few, but it really hasn't caught on like people thought it would uh, as far as those transfers. And unless they've graduated right away, I, I think the NCAA, especially with them extending the eligibility for this year, would see it as a I want to play now instead of in the spring and probably not grant the waiver to play unless they were coming back closer to home. So um, that knocks out the transfers for the most part and then was asked about the transfer waivers seem to take a while. I don't think that's the case. I think I think the staff for the most part keeps them under wraps. We know Tidy Armin is eligible, so his is knocked out uh, and it takes a while, uh, of course, because the NCAA is backlogged, but uh, overall, I feel like SMU puts together the together the right case, which we've seen for the most part, uh, considering Chevin Callaway and uh, Cameron Jones were immediately eligible last year. Thomas Schellmeyer was the only one that wasn't that I can recall. Um, so it's all about putting together the right case, rather about rather than putting together all the paperwork and submitting it ASAP and and not doing it right. So uh, I don't think their waivers take longer than Power Five schools. I don't. I don't think there's anything to back that up by any means at all. Now, let's move on really to the football team and share some final thoughts in terms of uh, your guys' questions on the team. Uh, Texas State, SMU, uh, we will cover that in the next uh, podcast. But here's a couple things, and I'll, I'll, I'll riff on a couple guys that have really stood out because I was asked about a couple this team, I think, is much more comfortable around each other this camp than, than it was last year. And I think that goes to Shane Bouchelle being the leader, uh, the consistency of the coaching staff, only losing one coach, Rhett Lashley, 
uh, and then plugging in Garrett Riley, who I've heard has done a terrific job. And then you, so you have your quarterback, you have your leadership intact, you have so much coming back that I think it's a little underrated in terms of what they have coming back in terms of leadership. And yeah, you lost, you know, your two starting tailbacks, but you know, running backs, and as we're seeing in the NFL, you know, you can devalue those guys pretty quickly. And while I think SMU will miss Xavier Jones and Kamon Freeman to an extent, the group they have, they're pretty excited about. And my point of all, saying all that is quarterbacks, offensive line, those are really two of the key pieces to having great football teams. Uh, and the consistency there is is really there for SMU in terms of the number of starts, the experience, uh, and certainly the, the talent too. And, and I think the offensive line will take a step forward in terms of getting that push they needed in the run game at times. They were really, really good in pass protection. Very few times was Shane Bouchel under duress in a in a uh, in a large portion of a game and things like that. Um, but then you've got the receivers who are absolute studs. You've got a linebacking group that uh, probably isn't going to have Richard Moore at the start from what Sonny Dykes seemed to say, say but uh, he's working his way back. He is going to play at some point this year, uh, I mean, barring a major shift, uh, and it's all about getting him to game day. Um, but uh, you've got your, your wide receiver group, which is the strength of your offense, I would feel like. Uh, then you've got your linebacking group probably right there to be the strength of your defense along with the corners. Uh, the corners are really, really impressive. Brandon Crosley, Brandon Stevens, uh, Armani Johnson, Brian Massey, uh, all those guys have been terrific in, in camp. So uh, it is a, a, a team that I think with Danny Gray plugging in where James Prochet was with Rasheed Rice and Reggie Robertson and Kylan Granson back, uh, it's going to be pretty explosive. And Danny Gray is the real deal. I think he's going to go off on Saturday. I think he's going to have over 100 yards if all things go uh, the right way. And then if you see TQ Jackson out there, if he's eligible, he's a difference maker and he can play. So uh, it is, uh, it, it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty impressive. I think Trevor Denbo also uh, fits in very well at the Fox position. He can play close to the line of scrimmage. He's got the speed. He likes to hit. He likes to be up in the muck. Uh, more than anything rather than in space and so I think uh, I think you look at uh, those positions uh, and then you've got your two starters at safety Chevin Calloway and Chase Cromartie that uh, they feel pretty good about it so I think we've covered actually a little mini depth chart preview there for the most part um, with uh, uh, all of those questions but I I would just say that uh, this team looks so much more comfortable around each other they don't feel there's no quarterback competition there's none of that going on Uh, it's very clear who the leader is on the team it's Shane Bouchelle Uh, it's the captains they elected and and I think this team is uh pretty locked in ready to go and last year it was funny in a way Shane Bouchelle throws a pick on his first pass I think in an SMU uniform and you just go oh man here we go but they they just managed to find a way to win that game up there this isn't the same team that they're going to go face down in San Marcos in terms of the, the quality of talent, uh, but they'll figure it out just like they figured out this pandemic. I think the maturity of this team really stands out in a big way to me more than anything, uh, anything else, quite frankly. Uh, and I don't know if they'll be wearing the Dallas jerseys on Saturday. Uh, that's kind of a when you're on the road, you uh, it's up to the home team. Like last year, TCU wanted to wear their purple and SMU kind of tricked them, and that's why they 
ended up, uh, you know, wearing the Dallas jerseys, and and obviously it worked out very very well. We'll see what TCU does about that next next uh, next week in uh, Fort Worth. But yeah, I think SMU would like to wear the Dallas jerseys. It's kind of the idea is you play them against uh, wear them against Texas teams, uh, but I'm not sure what the uniform pick from um, Texas State has been. So with that, I think we knocked it all out on the question front outside of. Uh, outside of basketball. KT Turner departed, uh, and we'll wrap up with this. I, I think, one, it wouldn't shock me if KT's spot, associate head coach, was uh, was replaced by Yafet King. Just wouldn't, um, would not surprise me at all. Uh, I think Yafet's uh, the, the veteran coach. He is the veteran coach on the staff. There's no doubt about that. Um, and he deserved it. I think he's done a good job. He just got his first commitment in Jalen Smith out of Oak Ridge in Florida, who I think is pretty underrated. Uh, he was hurt at times, and he really hasn't been able to be evaluated by a lot of play, uh, a lot of coaches. Uh, but over the summer, he really emerged, and this is where the live period not being a thing really helped SMU in this regard because uh, Yafet King knows the, the family very, very, very well, uh, knows the each one teach one and Oak Ridge staff very, very well. And they were able to get him on board and committed. So I think it's a it's a sleeper pickup for SMU. I think he's got a chance to to finish strong in his high school career, playing for one of the best programs in the country at Oak Ridge. Uh, and anyway, Yafet King, a lot of respect nationally uh, for him. Just people I talk with, so I could see him sliding into KT's spot. I won't go into any more candidates or whatever in terms of the actual third spot on the staff. I'll dig some things up and put that on the board for our VIP subscribers, uh, which by the way, you can subscribe for just a dollar a month or a uh, dollar for your first month. And then the 30% off annual subscription deal is still rolling as well. So check that out. Appreciate everyone who's subscribed. We actually had a huge run of subscriptions this week with game week being here. So it's been a nice little week uh, as we put together everything uh, with the season finally here, which is crazy. Back to basketball. Uh, talked to a couple sources over the weekend, and I think one of the things that really stood out is is if Yorane gets his waiver. And I, I know you know we can make fun about oh well SMU's got to play the waiver game again with basketball and hope that they get it, but uh, he's a difference maker from from all accounts. He's worked really hard. Uh, he can affect the rim. He can affect shots, uh, and and really he adds something that allows. The team to play a little bit better, I think, defensively on the perimeter, uh, knowing that they have a 6'11", 7-footer uh, in the middle of that that defense uh, protecting the rim as they extend out to the three-point line. So maybe that'll help slow the three-point shooting prowess of some of these other teams. I've heard Kendrick Davis and Tyson Jolly, unsurprisingly, are ready to go uh, for their uh, second seasons at SMU. And and no surprise, those two are, those two are studs. And then finally... Uh, Jamar Young, he's looking really, really strong and really looks like he's added about 30, 45 pounds uh, onto his frame. I mean, he looks like a totally different person, but, um, you know, he's uh, he's certainly uh, somebody that uh, can really maybe emerge this year and help in the front court uh, and provide some depth. Um, so that's just kind of an extra nugget there on the basketball front. But with that, guys, going to wrap up this podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, appreciate you guys li- listening. 
quick reminder to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to the podcast. We'll catch you guys on Friday with our preview edition of SMU Texas State. Uh, We'll also touch on the questions you guys had about Texas State and cover all of that as we preview SMU season opener starting on Friday uh, with that preview. And we'll have all sorts of content up. Sonny Dykes didn't really have a formal media availability, but he uh, had his radio show. I'm going to try to get him on the phone on Thursday for kind of a last minute preview of the game. But with that, guys, we're going to wrap up this edition of the pod. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.